0: Welcome to the Children's Book Author Podcast. I'm your host, Eleanor Page. If you write for children, or it's always been your dream to, you're in the right place. As the Children's Book Author, I'm on a quest to discover everything there is about writing, publishing, and marketing children's books, as well as how to supercharge my creativity, skyrocket my productivity, and absolutely everything Else there is to know about how to be the best, so you can be too. Join me as I interview fabulous guests and become the children's book author. Welcome back to another show of the Children's Book Author Podcast with me, Eleanor Page. And today I had an amazing interview with Sandra Bennett who is an Australian children's book author. And I did interview her quite a while ago. So, you know, I'm always saying today I'm interviewing, but of course these interviews happen a little while ago. I'm a bit slack putting them up. And the reason I tell you this is because there's a lot to work through with every interview that I do. So I'm not just interviewing people and then sort of throwing the interview out there to you the listener i am trying to work it all out alongside you this business of being a children's book author it's full on there's so many decisions to make there's so many balls to juggle there's so many hats to wear and i have the privilege of doing it full time and still I struggle, so I can only imagine if you are doing it as a bit of a side hustle, hoping that it's your full-time gig one day. It's a lot of things. I'm always trying to look at different sides of things. I'm always trying to be that little bit of a devil's advocate, and yes, of course, usually I do offend, or I say I offend, but perhaps I'm just really saying That I'm a bit of a truth teller, that I always want to kind of just dig in deep and look at things from all different angles. And I'm doing that because I'm trying to work out the sort of best approach for me, I suppose. I'm trying to work out my approach, my strategy, my way of doing things. And you will find that every guest gives, you know, such a variety of opinions. And ways that they do things, and there really is no right or wrong. There's just like a bunch of different ways that people have been doing things on their journey. So I encourage you to, like me, sit down with all this information, to listen to each guest, and I like to adopt what I call the attitude of maybe, 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 that's my word, maybe. I say maybe to everything. If someone says, you have to do this, it's the only way. I go, "Mm, maybe, maybe, maybe it is. You have to decide what your ingredients are for your little children's book author cake, which is you. And there are no right and wrong decisions. There are just decisions made over and over again. So you can choose something and then you can change what you choose. And again, the reason I'm telling you all this is, In between every interview, I think I do a lot of processing. It's kind of like, oof, I don't think I'm ready to publish that interview yet. And probably because I'm the one that has to listen back over it and edit it. So it's like I've got to do that interview twice. And I do genuinely feel that every interview in some way, shape, or form presses my buttons. I don't know if it's doing that for you. Perhaps it's just encouraging and inspiring you, which it definitely, definitely does for me too, but it makes me have to step back and say, how am I doing this? What sort of author am I going to be? And on that note, today's guest, Sandra Bennett, who is a children's book author, is, oh gosh, I don't even know what's the best word. Inspirational doesn't seem quite enough, I think, for Sandra she's such a go-getter. To me, she just, she has such an attitude of doing. And I know you will get just a different feel from listening to her. You'll feel, I'm guessing, if you feel like me, you'll feel that, hey, I can probably do some of these things that I've been a bit scared of doing. Yes, school visits is on my scared list, 100%. I should probably write a things I'm scared of list and things I'm not (laughs) that would they would the scared of list would be very long and that's because there's just again so many aspects and you know if only we could just be this person that sits in a room and writes and even that would take a lifetime to master right I mean, you'd have to do courses and all sorts of things. And then eventually, one day, you would write the perfect, perfect manuscript. But no, you don't just do that. You also have to market. You have to find a way to publish, whether it's getting it published or you publishing it. That's still going to take a whole bunch of work. You have to get out there and, you know, show yourself, I suppose. School visit, all these things like giant, giant bucket of ingredients. And Sandra does them all. She makes it look easy. So I think once you listen to this interview, you might take some of your fear and never do things and move them to your, I could do that list. I could definitely do that list. Even when I asked her, and I mean, it was only a small question, but even when I asked her, you know, like how long does it take you to write a book? She's like, oh, you know, as long as it takes. Sometimes it's a short amount of time. Sometimes it's a long amount of time. But it's this kind of attitude of enjoying the journey and what shines through every aspect of this interview. In fact, I I sat there and thought, what do I call this one? Because there were so many things I was tempted at one point to, you know, make it about your audience because that's what she does. You will hear all through this interview that she is passionate about literacy for children and she wants kids to read. So she will do whatever is required with that as her problem that she's solving. She is solving that problem of getting kids to read. Then. Every time she has something that I'm probably filling in the blanks for her, but every time she has something that that frightens her, like, you know, going into that gift shop and having to plug my book, she thinks about those kids who might walk into that gift shop and end up buying her book. So she is just amazing for that. I think for me she really brought me back to ground zero I sat on this interview for quite a while thinking, why do I write my books? Like really, really, why do I write my books? And I can't say it's for literacy the way Sandra does. I haven't been a teacher for 25 years as she was. She knows the importance of getting kids to read. That can be every author's aim to get kids to read. But you need to discover your why, which we did talk about on a different interview, uh, with Erin Everly, if I remember correctly. But there's that why again, driving everything. And it you'll just hear through this that it so drives Sandra. So I did sit down and I encourage you to do the same. I used a particular technique, if you want to call it that, that I learned from Jeffrey Pellman, who has a course building an unstoppable brand, which I took on the platform Mind Valley. So you can go and look all of that up. So, in this technique, what you do is you think of something that your product, we'll say it like that. So, in this case, your books, you think of something where they don't deliver. In the world. So, for example, I'd imagine with Sandra's, it would be something like I envision a world where boring books, maybe that don't encourage kids to read, are replaced with amazing, interesting, local adventures. You know, that really comes through when I interview her, and you'll hear that. She loves to base books on particular locations, certain animals that are in Australia and and then that probably encourages kids, or even there's a dinosaur in one of them, but you know, it encourages kids to to get interested in actually reading because they want to know more about that actual topic. So for me I had to really, you know, sit and think about that because I don't write books like that. And uh, it so my brain instantly goes, Oh, you know, she has an advantage. But that's not my books. But I have to take a step back and actually think about, you know, what do I envision my books doing? So this is what I came up with. I'm going to read it to you to inspire you to sit and do this sentence yourself. I envision a world where fiction books for young people are both entertaining and transformational, where kids can escape into stories of magic and adventure while also expanding their emotional intelligence and growth mindset. That's really different to Sandra's reason for writing books. So where I might go to get my books into particular stores or into particular places might be very different to where Sandra goes. And until I did this interview, I don't think I quite made that distinction I feel that distinction is really, really important, and hence I am dedicating some time in my intro today to point this out to you. Know who you are as an author and own it. Oh, gosh, it's taken me ages to own it because, you know, being a counselor for 20 years at least, working in self-help I wanted my children's books to be nothing about that. But, of course, how could they possibly be nothing about that? It is the backbone of my books. But I love magic and adventure, so that's the backbone of my books too. But I'm weaving these two things together, just like you'll hear Sandra weaves her love of particular places she goes to in Australia and looks at it through the eyes of a child And animals and dinosaurs and all things that kids would find so interesting because she's aiming to get them to read. So she's kind of almost making it really personal for them at that ground based level. And uh, for me, it is more about helping them transform how they think, how they feel, what they aim for in life. So we've got very different approaches. We might go to very different places to sell our books our school visits would look very different to each other but this is really 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 important and i think it's the reason why you'll hear me on every episode go eh i don't think i'm ready to do school visits because i wasn't sure how or who i'm going in as yes you're going in as a children's book author but what do you stand for what's underneath you being a children's book author and you really have to work that out. and Sandra is a perfect example of that. In the end, I gave this particular podcast, the title of It's Very Long: There are no barriers to writing, publishing, and distributing your books because I felt that after after talking with her, it's really just there are no barriers there are no barriers to doing anything except for yourself. Maybe I should rename it. There are no barriers to being the children's book author except for you. <laughs> and I see it in myself. And of course, being a, I'll call myself a transformational expert. Of course, me interviewing people is as much about me transforming myself as anything. You might listen to it, with a very different mindset than I would listen to it. So, you know, that too is really, really relevant. Listen to the episodes that relate to what you want and what you need and where you're going. I do always try to have very much practical questions as well because at the end of the day, it is about doing it, but a big part is about who is doing it. That is you. That's why the podcast is called The children's book author because it's a mindset it's a way of being it isn't who you are I won't say that it isn't completely who you are because you are much more than that and your identity is made up of many more facets but particularly with children's book authors I think I could be biased probably am I think all the facets of who we are as a person really do come together in our love of, in some way, helping, influencing, healing the next generation and healing ourselves and our own inner child. And so we need to look a bit more deeply as to why we do things. And we also need to back ourselves and get ourselves out there. And you will, I promise, feel so encouraged after this amazing interview with Sandra. This has been a very long intro, unlike some of my other shorter ones, and often that's just about where I'm at and how I feel. Nothing to do with my wonderful guests because they are always spectacular. So go away, write what you envision your books doing in the world. Enjoy this fantastic interview. Take lots of notes. I have scribbled notes everywhere on re-listening to this interview And there are literally no barriers at all to you writing, publishing and distributing your books. Welcome back to the Children's Book Author Podcast with me, your host, Eleanor Page. And today I'm interviewing Sandra Bennett, who is an award-winning children's book author. And I love the quote on the website which says, Sandra Bennett writes books to help parents and teachers Build children's literacy with read aloud stories one adventure at a time. Welcome to the show, Sandra. Thank you, Eleanor. I've been so looking forward to finally catching up with you. It's wonderful to be here. We did have lots of technical difficulties to get to you today, but we overcame them. We stuck in there for a whole hour and here we are. (laughs) We're here, finally. (laughs) So thank you for your patience. And... Tell me a little bit about your journey how you started how you ended up being a children's book author It started many
1: many many years ago I I've always was a primary school teacher for 25 odd years and I always wanted to write children's books so along the way I was writing you know in the background and I was writing stories for kids in my classes anyway and so I I would write stories that would um, be involved with them so they always, because I found, especially when you're teaching kindergarten, those kids would l- wanted to learn to read when they were reading a story about themselves. And it really progressed a lot from there. So then I started doing writing courses because you realise you're not going to be good enough without doing a little bit of learning along the way. And once I finished the courses, that was back in 1999, 2000, so that's showing you that's a long time ago. I then started to put manuscripts out to sub- submissions to, to public publishers. Got a couple of nibbles, had a couple of interests, but then I inevitably got the rejections. And then we moved to Canberra and I had to go back to just um, more learning because Canberra, because I only had a three-year certificate in teaching, Canberra wanted four years. So it was, okay, I was teaching full-time, I was studying again, didn't have time to write, that wasn't going to happen. So it all got sort of left. Plus, I was bringing up my own kids. So, jump forward from 2000 to about 2012. And a teacher friend of mine that year published herself, published her own book. And I went, if she can do that, so can I. And that's where it all pretty much began. I haven't looked back since. Yeah. So wow! It's just wow. been an incredible journey. It really has. And the the original book back in 2000, 2001 that I had a publisher interested in, I finally had a publisher publish it in twenty
0: eighteen. Right. So you did eventually get. So you self published, and you've also been trade yeah. published. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so interesting. So yeah. so interesting. I've oh, so many things I want to say about that. So first of all, I always say. You teachers, I don't know, you're cheating. You know, like it's unfair. You know kids, you hang out with them for a lot of years, you know? <laughs> and um True. so that's that's amazing, you know. Um really perfect often, isn't it, for teachers. Almost a natural progression. I think not it for, is. Not for all teachers, but for many, isn't it? Yeah, especially those teachers who
1: are passionate about literacy like I am. For me, teaching was all about getting kids to learn to read. Because if they can read The world is open to them. They can learn anything else. If you can't read, you can't learn. You can't go on to do whatever you want to do in life. So it's always been my passion. You know, I mean, I was always the sort of teacher where when you had silent reading, and I you ask the child, the kids to close the book up. If someone didn't close the book because they wanted to finish that chapter, I just,
0: just, just finish it.
1: Okay, it's all right. I could, I could tell someone
0: close the book. That's it. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So you didn't give up, you know, in terms of your the traditional publishing. You still kept putting in submissions with that particular book. Is that what happened?
1: Yes, I did. But I kept rewriting it as well. I originally had a totally different name to it. And then I, I finally had a manuscript assessment with Sue Whiting, who was absolutely fabulous, absolutely adore her and she, she's got so much knowledge, and she said it really needs a, a, um, a new beginning, and it's the first chapter. It's missing something at the beginning. So with everything that she told me, I then rewrote a a, lot, a bit more and a lot more, yeah, added a few things to it, I suppose you'd say, and I sent it out again. I mean, I'll admit it's only a small publisher that picked it up here in Canberra at the time, but it was still a publisher. I didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> and she asked me for a, a trilogy. Have you written that trilogy? Is that happened? Yes. Secrets Hidden Below was book one. Okay. A Lighthouse in Time was book two. Right. And Fossil Frenzy was book three. The only problem was, but after she published book one and two, so I published Fossil Frenzy myself. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you get the rights back for the other two? Yes. That yes. She gave me all the rights back, Yeah, which was fantastic. Because it wasn't that she went out of business because she went bankrupt or anything. It was because she, was, she wasn't well. So she had to put all her energy into, into healing herself. So that all got closed down. So she, she was marvellous. She gave me all my rights back. And Any copies of the book she had, get, she sent to me as well. So she was fantastic. She really was. I was so disappointed that she had to close, but that's life. But in hindsight, I think it's done me good because I was trying to then think, well, who else can publish book three for me? Couldn't find anyone because no one wants to pick up book three in the series. So uh, that's when I stumbled across the Queensland Writers Centre adaptable competition.
0: And yes. I, say that I all only, again. Say that all again. Slowly. The Queensland
1: Writers Centre adaptable competition. It's a it's a long sentence.
0: Got it. <laughs> Thank you. It is.
1: Yeah, and I saw the submission was due in two days. So I went, right, I'm just doing this because they were asking for stories specifically written in Queensland and Fossil Frenzy is set in Outback, Queensland. So I thought, perfect. So I did the submission, set it off, forgot about it for a couple of months and then lo and behold, I made the long list. And I thought, fantastic. Next thing I knew, I was on the short list. There was 25 of us that actually won the opportunity to pitch our stories to film producers. Amazing. But it was COVID. Oh, no, don't say that. (laughs) Dear. 2020, the year of COVID. Instead of going up to the Gold Coast to the Queensland Writers' Festival to pitch to producers in person, we had to do it via Zoom which was so disappointing because I was really looking forward to that whole movie atmosphere. I overcome my fears and I did it because I was as nervous as anything. But the five, the five producers were all really interested, but they all basically said the same thing. Trying to do a CG dinosaur movie would be too expensive. One actually said give it five years for the um, money to start
0: coming down a bit, but who knows? Ah, but, so that was the stumbling block was basically the cost of making cost. a dinosaur be in the story. Yeah, right, right, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Right.
1: But the interesting thing was then I thought, okay, if I can win that,
0: this is worth
1: publishing. So I thought, if no one else wants it, I'll do it myself. Good on you. Yeah, so I did it myself and, of course, it's won awards since. So I haven't looked
0: back. So there's this sort of almost like a dance between, you know, trying to get something published versus you doing it. But ultimately because of your really deep passion for having kids, you know, read your stories and it's like you're dedicated to getting that book out there one way or the other, it doesn't matter which way, whatever serves your audience, exactly. that's what I'm hearing. Is that exactly. right? Exactly. Yes.
1: It doesn't matter which way. I'm happy to go either way. Yeah. As long as I'm getting, I'm getting those stories out there the kids want to read, it's encouraging And In fact, I was at a school, FATE, Uh, a couple of weeks ago and I was doing a Reading of Fossil Frenzy there and I had my dinosaur dress on, as as I always do. (laughs) Eight-year-old boy came running over to me and he was so excited. He was, you're Sandra Bennett. Wow. Yeah, he said, I've read all your books. I love them. And then his dad said, you got him reading. Oh. Oh, yes. He said, we were at the National Dinosaur Museum and we found Fossil Frenzy. So I bought that for him. He said he, at that point, was too scared to read books without pictures, but he really wanted to read Fossil Frenzy. And he said it's a nice length for a middle-grade book that kids are willing to give it a go. He couldn't put it down. He finished it, loved it, and then went back and read the other two. And then he said, and you know what, Mrs Bennett?" I said, what? He said... You gave me the courage to then go on and read bigger chapter books. He said, I'm reading Harry Potter now.
0: And I, that's amazing. You can't ask for more than that. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yes. that, I think that's a, that really stands out about you. Or oh, A, what stands out about you is all your, all your dresses and outfits. Like I noticed them on Instagram and I'm like, <laughs> where does she get them from? I want some. Um, <laughs> that's well, one thing. a girlfriend <laughs> made for me. One of my neighbours made one of them.
1: <laughs> I found she this not? gorgeous material and she, so she made one. But the others, the others have all been main, mainly from Love Daphne. I'll give them a plug. Love Daphne, they're out of um, Bathurst. Okay. And, yeah, you can get some amazing dresses from them.
0: Fabulous. We'll look it up. Yeah. I'll look it up. That's for sure. No one else look <laughs> it up, okay? I want to look like her, not you too. If we all start looking like Sandra, it's not a good thing. <laughs> but oh. the second thing I admire about you is... Again, I want to say it again because it really stands out to me and, you know, I interview people on on this show but also in real life, other authors, that love of literacy, like you said, that love of delivering something for the child, it's highlighting in my brain that you don't care how you get it to them as long as you get it to them. That's kind of unique for an author, I think, because most authors are like, which path will serve me better? Which path is all about me becoming rich and famous author? And, and I think that's fantastic that you flipped that on its head. Exactly. I mean,
1: let's face it. We're not in this for making money. We don't make a great deal out of it. We're in this to get kids reading and to get kids have a love of books. That's what it's all about for me. I'm not worried about can I get a publisher or do I do it myself?
0: as long as I'm getting it out there so that kids can read. Where do you get your inspiration for like the next thing to write and the next thing to write? You know, where does that come from? I think a lot of it comes from holidays. I'll go somewhere and I go,
1: that's a great location to put a place an adventure. With book four, it's I'm writing book four at the moment, I knew sort of where I wanted to set it. So I said to my husband, okay, we need to go to Tasmania. A good excuse so, to go places, isn't it? It was I a great that. excuse. So, we were in, in July, we, we did the old drive around Tassie, so I could because I knew exactly where I, I, I mean, I, I googled the area that I thought I wanted to set it in, and I thought, but, but there's only so much research you can do on the internet, I think, or in, from books. You need to see the place to feel it, to experience it. If you want to get those five senses going, you need to immerse yourself in the, in the location. And that's, that just really helps my inspiration, I think, for the whole setting of it all. A lighthouse in time, for example, that's just down the south coast down, down here. We used to always go to the beach down there. Every, every January we had a camping site that we were booked into, the same spot, year after year after year with the kids. And there's this old lighthouse that's a ruin down there. And I always said, that lighthouse is perfect for a ghost story. I had to write it. It was, just, yeah, it was crying to out
0: to me to write. Yeah, Yeah. and how long does it take you to write something? Like is it sort of an ongoing long journey? Is it smaller? How does that go for you?
1: Oh, look, I I think it's one of those things, how long's a um, piece of string? (laughs) Because for me, a story can take a couple of months, a story can take a couple of years. I find a lot of people ask me that question and I can't pin down how long it takes, to be honest.
0: So you're not particular about it, you just sort of go with
1: the flow? Just go with the flow, exactly. Yeah. When the muse strikes, when the time strike, bang, there it is. It's I've just got gotta get it onto paper. I mean fossil frenzy took me about three months, to be honest. But, that's really quick. Yeah, it's really yeah. quick. But that I mean that's for the first draft. Whereas Secrets Hidden Below it took what, twenty years.
0: <laughs> well that's a big difference. <laughs> yeah, that's a very big difference. And
1: I've been dabbling with picture books too. Like I've published two picture books in twenty fifteen. And I haven't published, self-published anymore since then. I've been working on a whole lot of different picture books and I've been putting those out, submitting those out to publishers. Had a couple of nibbles again, but still mainly rejection so far. So I think there's a couple there that might end up getting self-published. One of those was basically from the inspiration from my, my grandson next door. He was scared of the thunder. So, and I wanted to write a story to help him not be so scared of the thunder. It's called Dragons Drumming. So it's all about these dragons in the sky that play this band that the child isn't so frightened of. It's, it's nothing to be, to be feared of. The only problem is when I first started telling him about it, reading it to him, he went, can I go out and see the dragons? <laughs> well, that's a good thing. <laughs> well, not while there's a storm going. It's not <laughs> a good <laughs> no, here, actually, to go true. outside. <laughs> Especially when you live on a property. And we've actually stood here watching a kangaroo get hit by lightning.
0: Oh, beautiful thing. So
1: you know you don't go outside out there into the paddocks when it, when there's a storm brewing.
0: But what a creative way to solve that problem. I love yeah. that. Dragons in the sky drumming. Like that's yeah. great. I'll think of that next time I hear thunder too Thunder,
1: Yeah. Oh. So it starts with the baby dragon and then it, and it builds to this
0: crescendo of the whole family joining in. See, I wonder why a publisher hasn't jumped on that. Do you know? Like uh, they're I funny. They're funny. Yeah, what they yeah. look for. Or what and they it's all in onomatopoeia. Must have been incredibly fun to write. Fun to write that one. Really, really enjoyed writing that one. So what do you, how do you find the self-publishing process? Like do you find it's, you know, harder to market or how do you feel having um, done it now? For I think months?
1: marketing-wise I find it quite good actually. It's been great that because I had the trade publisher, I now have connections. So I have right. the connection to a distributor now. So, so I get just, I've got a distributor who will distribute my books
0: all around Australia. Oh, that's um, a good one. So not Ingram Spark, for example. Like it's no, an actual distributor, distributor. An actual distributor, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, before
1: that, I was doing it all myself. So I, would, I was just, I, I mean, I, basically my books tended to only be around Canberra to start with. Because I was trying to get them into my local bookshops, and then we did a drive right across Australia in 2016 to go to Perth to visit my son. And I took took the books with me, and everywhere
0: we stopped, I got them into bookshops. Did you? Yeah. How did you do that? What did you do? Like literally, just go in and be like, "Have you seen this is my book? Would you be this interested?" This is my to- book.
1: Have you seen this? Would you be interested? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. The one that really got me was i had because i had emma the eager emu and fossil frenzy so they're australian based picture books with australian (laughs) animals and we're right up the top uh, in past perth at the pinnacles and the pinnacles has its own gift shop and i thought this is emus and frill neck lizards It's, it's perfect so i went in there the girl said well the manager's not here today i said well can i leave you two copies to have a look at and she said, yeah, great, no problem, we'll do that. A couple of days later we were in Geraldton. Oh, so we are in Monkey Mire, we are up in Monkey Mire. And uh, got this phone call. She said, love your books. Can I have 20 copies of each? I went,
0: uh, can you? Okay. Sure. <laughs> okay. So placing yeah. them places where it makes sense for them to sell, yes. like you say.
1: Yes. So national parks, gift shops. All those sort of places, yeah. So really really thinking about your market and where it back
0: belongs, not just necessarily bookshops. And so they tend to buy like a you know, a wholesale amount kind of thing that they then like add the price to and sell. Yes. And they pay you up front for those?
1: Most do. Most of them will pay up front. They'll just pay the um the wholesale price. Mm-hmm. And then they can put the, to whatever price they want and make whatever profit they want. Sometimes it's been on consignment, but pretty rarely. But I, I mean, I'm happy to, to go either way. Whatever a bookshop wants to do, hey, I'm not going to argue with it.
0: <laughs> so coming back to you know having an actual distributor that is not Ingram Spark because that is important. Um, yes. How does that work? Do you have to print them and supply them? to yes. the distributor? Yes. yes. And then how do you know how many or like talk me through that? Okay, so Fossil
1: Frenzy was the first one I um, I had to self-publish after having the having Secrets and Lighthouse published. So I basically went to the graphic designer who did the first two, the editor who did the first two and the um, formatter who did the first two and I, and I got them all involved. So I had it all done. Then I uh, I knew who the publisher was, who, who the printer was, sorry, the printer who my publisher had used. So I went to the printer myself and then said, Can you print this in exactly the same format as the first two? So it looks the same. So I mean, obviously, I put on my own logo, my own copyright page, all those things. And that all, and so they printed them, sent me all the boxes. So I have got a few boxes sitting in the garage. And then I contacted Peribo and said, you're the distributor of the first two, will you take on the third one even though it's self-published by me? And I went, yep, absolutely no problem, love to. And then he said, have you got a fourth one in you? I said, yeah, it's coming. <laughs> wow. So they're really supportive of you. Yeah. And then every month they send me a statement as, as to what's sold. So- and they
0: let you know how many they want.
1: Yes, yes. They let you know how many they want, exactly. Yeah. And you do sell
0: books that way. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. so cool. So you get them into bookshops, which is what a lot of authors self-published really ultimately struggle.
1: It will be interesting if I self-publish the picture book whether they'll take that on because I'm actually thinking of doing that via Ingram Spark. So I don't know whether they'll take that on.
0: So do you also yeah. do Ingram Spark
1: as well as that distributor? I have done Ingram Spark for Secrets Hidden Below now because I didn't realise I actually had still had another box full of Secrets Hidden Below when the publisher closed and she sent me what was left. I thought I had used up what she had left, so I then went on to Ingram Spark and republished it. It was in a second print basically myself. So Secrets Hidden Below um, is on Ingram Spark and it's up as an ebook now on Amazon. And then I printed some of those because I needed them for a school visit at the time. And then lo and behold, I
0: found I still actually do have another box of them. <laughs> That's just super impressive, you know. Do, do you therefore feel, you know, you can walk into a bookstore and be like, hey, I'm a local author, this is my book, you can order it through this distributor? Yeah, yes. So, I mean, I, I suppose I'm trying to wrap my head around <laughs> this is like, oh, you know, big revelation for me. It's a funny thing to say. You're acting like you're a trad published author. There's no difference. It's just amazing. Right. It's,
1: it's blowing exactly. my brains. <laughs> it really is. Don't let anything stop you. Just go for it. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. You've got nothing to lose. You can ask and get told no, or you can ask and you can get told yes. A win-win situation. Really, you, you know, yeah. You know? So it's a, it's a win for them too if they take it on and they sell it. So.
0: Yeah, that's right. And you can, again, like you said, you can judge it by the books you have. You know, there might be one particular book that's, you know, quite commercial that you think, oh, 100% this would do really well in a bookshop.
1: Absolutely. So why not
0: get it in there? So bookstores are open to chatting to you like that. That's fantastic. Yeah, especially
1: the local ones. Your local ones are, are fantastic. They're your best friends. They really are. We've got a local one here now that um, only opened up in the middle of COVID, actually. <laughs> he was very brave, but he is absolutely amazing. Can I give him a shout-out? Of course, absolutely. It's Peter Anando from the Book Cow in Kingston, and he is absolutely fabulous. He's been so supportive of local authors here in Canberra, whether they're self-published published or publish- or trade-published. He's not worried. We do book launches. In fact, the other week he even did the book launch for us for the anthology that I do every year. I belong to um, Share Your Story with Michelle Worthington. Each year Michelle Worthington does the um, anthology every year that always ends up being donated to certain charities around Australia. So as authors, you obviously don't get any payment for it, but you're getting a name out there. That's the thing. She'll put it on her website. Anthology Angels is the website. She'll put up on that what the theme for the year is and you write a story around that theme. And then once they get submitted, it goes to a panel of judges who then decide which ones suit the theme best to actually go into the anthology. So I've been doing it now since 2019, I think it was. This is my The one this year is my fourth I've, I've got in, in, in there. I've got in every year. I just adore everything that she does. She's, she's a little dynamo. She's fabulous. And those anthologies just go from strength to strength. They, they usually end up being Amazon bestsellers. They're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Look how actually did the um, book launch here in Canberra for us because Michelle always does the book launch in Brisbane. And I couldn't get to Brisbane this year and I knew there was eight of us here in Canberra that actually are in, in the anthology. One of which is an eight-year-old boy. Huh, and I thought marvelous. for him to be in there, he needs to have a celebration. He really does. So I, I just rang Peter and said, I've got an offer for you, Pete. You know, can we do this? And he went, yeah, why not? Fantastic. All of us to um, this amazing book launch with everybody reading parts of, of their stories. Uh, and all dressed up because it was Halloween, so we all got dressed up. Was being ma- magical stories There it was witches and things. And because my little poem's called a special brew, so I did the actual experiment, made the made the potion all blow up. Promised <laughs> him I wouldn't make the bookshop disappear.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what fun! We survived and we had lots of fun. It was fabulous. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's a, they're short stories. And yes. How do you write a short story versus you know, say, writing a whole book? What's okay. the difference?
1: Well, a short story, yeah, I mean, you still got to have your, your arc, but you've got to keep it to about 1,500, maybe 2,000 words max. Okay. So it's got to be very short. You don't want to make it too long. And so it's It's tricky because you've really got to, I tend, I write the story and then I start refining it and cutting back, mm-hmm. start pulling things out that, that aren't really needed because you can't You're have too much it. detail in a short story. You want it as fast-paced as
0: possible. I must read that anthology. That looks amazing. And uh, to get a feel for, yeah, for writing short stories. I think it could be a, you know, really nice. um, I I just finished uh, writing my Evie Everyday Witch series, which is illustrated chapter books. But I thought to myself, I don't want to write any of books right now. I'm a bit burnt out. But wouldn't it be fun if I just put out some short stories in the world you know, yes. and then I went, Oh, how do you write a short story? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's really helpful advice, Sandra. Awesome.
1: awesome. Well, I wrote one. Um, I actually wrote one. This is the hardest one I've ever written it was called Cyclone Kayla, and it was for Library for All, which is a, a um, non for profit organization that does books for South Pacific Islands nations. And they were doing a natural disaster series, so they wanted a short story based on, what's Um mine, cycl- cyclones. Having lived in Darwin in, amongst cyclones, I knew what it was like. Having lived in Papua New Guinea amongst storms up there too, and this was actually going to be written for Papua New Guinea students, was, so low-literacy level students learning English in Papua New Guinea. And they originally said to me it had to be 1,500 words. And I went, okay, I'll give it a go. So I, I actually wrote it and it, it finished up. It came to 2,000. And I could not cut it. Uh, so I sent it, sent it out and then they went, no, you're going, sorry, you're going to have to cut. You're going to have to edit. So I got it down to 1,700. They went, no, sorry, down to 1,500. Then they went, no, actually, we only wanted 1,200. Oh, gosh. Oh, <laughs> that's short. That's really short. So that was probably the hardest thing I've ever written. But it became a graphic a novel ah. for the low literacy level readers. So, yeah, really great experience. So that really teaches you how to hone your writing skills when you've got to cut it back that much.
0: How do you balance, you know, description, characters talking, show, not tell, you know, in a, mm. such a short amount of words? Exactly. It's very tricky.
1: But then a picture book is like that. and A picture book is only 500 words. That's true. And you're doing the same sort of thing. So you've got a little bit more room to play than a picture book.
0: So mm. you do school visits also as part of your, I won't just say your marketing because it's much more than that, isn't it? It's about actually you go out and you connect with your readers. And I was going to say, how did you get the confidence to do that? But you're a teacher for 25 years, right? <laughs> Is that enough? Like, or did it kind of, did you have to learn new skills or new confidence to go in as an author? Is it different? It's definitely different. But then I, I did casual teaching for many
1: years as well. So I was used to going into schools not knowing the kids. I tended to put it, to think of it that way. So I, I went in originally, uh, okay, I'm a visiting author, but I've still got to give you a lesson to, to a certain degree. I'm going to give you a really good time. I'm going to have a lot of fun with you, but you're going to learn something along the way. And I, so I always find out from the teachers, well, what is it that when they ask me, you know, will you come for a visit? Well, what is it that you're actually wanting to achieve from this what do you want the kids to learn as well because there's no point just going into into a school reading your book and saying okay there it is guys buy my book that's not going to work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no you've got especially when if you're going to get paid for it and let's face it we all want to get paid for it you've got to give them value you've got to really make sure they're having a lot of fun and they're learning along the way and that i think is the key because you want kids, as I said, no, literacy is my passion. So it just all get all combined. So I think being a teacher first as a background really helps. Even if you're not a teacher, you can still do it. There's agencies that will help you. Like, we have a speakers agency here in Canberra who will help you help us get bookings as well. And if you're stumbling on how to go about presenting it, the wonderful a uh, lady who runs that, she'll give me some hint, hints, some helping tips.
0: Really? Yes. I have a running joke with myself on this show. I, I just actually said it on the last podcast I put out. I'm always going to be asking authors about those school visits and I wonder which author interview will finally get me over the line because I go, yeah, yeah, I still won't do it. Yeah, yeah, I'm still <laughs> not doing it. I'm still not doing it. I'm still chicken. I can't write I have done a couple but um they were at my kids' school so that sort of felt a bit like cheating I can't wrap my mind around how to be entertaining and educational and am I expert enough to know how to teach them something that's valuable and will I fall flat on my face because I'm actually boring these are the things, and yet I'm actually one of the most hyper people in real life. Do you know? Like when you meet me in real life, I'm just the same as you see me now. Like I'm really present and well, encouraging. That's the key. Be yourself. But I'm still terrified. I don't know why. Yeah, look,
1: I, I fully understand that because I'm primary trained teacher, and when I did the an international school in Papua New Guinea, they asked me would I do year seven and eight as well. And I went, oh, high school. Oh, I don't know about that. Okay, look, take a deep breath. If you can teach kindergarten, you can teach high school. Make yourself do it. (laughs) So I went in there. All these kids are so much bigger than me. I'm only a little person. And I just said to them straight away, you guys scare me. I am going to admit it. I am frightened as anything to be standing out here in front of you guys. You're bigger than me. I'm not used to speaking to your age group, but here we go. Let's see how we can have some fun. And we did some brainstorming at one stage. I was writing up on the whiteboard with some brainstorming, and they were testing me. They were giving me all these big long words to see whether I could work out how to spell them. I finished up in hysterics. I was, I know you're
0: testing me. Okay, I can't spell that. You're going to have to spell it for me. Be yourself and trust that you'll be able to navigate through it. Yes,
1: exactly. Just trust yourself. Be yourself. Trust that you can do this, yeah. And the more you do it, the more confidence you get too. You pitch it to whatever level, obviously, that you're teaching too. So you might do some brainstorming, but you might do some singing and play some games. Get them up and moving. Don't have them just sitting still for an hour. That's when kids do get bored. You can't have them just sitting listening to you talking. You've got to make them interact or encourage them to interact, definitely. But I did one goal with Fossil Frenzy when it first came out. So I made this great big sheet up with a big fossil dinosaur footprint. And I said, How many of your footprints do you think might fit into a dinosaur's footprint? So then we actually got kids coming out and tracing their feet. And seeing how many they, they could do had them so intrigued because they could see the size of this this dinosaur foot pr- footprint and the size of their footprints and see how many were actually going to fit into it. So it really is
0: engaging. But that's so clever. You see, I could never think up something that clever. That's clever because oh. you're again you're thinking about what kids would find really interactive. And outside yes. the box, so you really have to yes. think outside the box. You do, yeah. Mm. And I've yeah. learned a couple of
1: dinosaur songs along the way to get them into singing songs and things as well. And what year levels
0: sing, and then what year levels it's not. Well, going
1: surprisingly, to sing. I would have said singing mainly would be uh, like your one, two, three, fours. But I've actually done them
0: with the five, sixes, and they what? have
1: loved it
0: really <laughs> because they don't normally get that. Oh. It's different. That's also, you know, your point of difference as to you know why the schools would have you come visit, say, rather than a different author come visit. Yes, yeah,
1: because you're 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 giving them something that's entertaining, but it's learning, and they're having fun, and they go away going, that was fantastic. Gee, I enjoyed that. They've got so much to take away from it, and I always give them a takeaway as well, so the teachers have something to follow up on in, in the class as well.
0: You also have like the most amazing teaching resources on your website that I've ever, ever seen in oh, my really? entire Thank life. You. Yeah, like I'm like, I need a whole day put aside just to study these because, you know, like, they're, they're brilliant. So give us some tips. How can we, you know, authors make their own teaching resources? Say, so is it oh. like based on their books? Are they thinking about the kids? Give me some tips.
1: Well, they're based. I always base them on my books, definitely. So I always try to think of something something to do with literacy, mm-hmm. something to do with art and craft, and maybe something sciencey. So something to do with STEM. So you've got a variety of things that will interest kids because not all kids are interested in the same things. So they all need to be able to learn through different ways. So because kids, you know, some kids will learn through reading, some kids will learn through Doing. Some kids will learn through singing, some kids will learn through moving. So you've got to give them a variety of things
0: to do. Yeah. That's so. genius. Yeah, yeah. Give them cover those different areas. That is very, very powerful advice. Yes. Thank you. Love <laughs> that. And go check out her reading her teacher resources, people. Is it Sandra dot AU? Is that the website? Yeah. We'll, I mean it Sandra will be Bennett, in the show notes. I think it is. Is it Sandra Bennett or Sandra Bennett author? <laughs> Oh, that's why I wondered but it will be in the show notes go look there and um and go check them out because they she's an author and a teacher so we've got you know you've got a lot to learn you won't do it as well as her but give it a go yes give you will go. <laughs> give it a go I also wanted to ask you so I saw on your website it said that you're the Australian Reads Ambassador and that sounded like a very important title I wanted oh, to what- know what that means and how you got that There's a lot of us that are
1: ambassadors, Australian Reads ambassadors. You just go to the Australian Reads ambassadors, Australia Reads uh, website and apply and let them know uh, that you're an author, let them know what books you have. Um, And they'll come back with a series of questions and then they'll go, yep, great, you can be an ambassador. And then every year they send you information about Love Your Bookshop Day, Love Your Library Day, all these different various things to help you get involved. With helping kids read and encouraging kids to read, so yeah, so it's pretty wow. simple. And there's a heap of authors on there, not just me. <laughs> yeah, but it
0: just shows that you're you're an ambassador for for reading. I'm an ambassador for reading because that is that's what it's all about. You're an ambassador yeah. for reading. Well, so how many books have you got now published?
1: Seven, eight, plus. I, I don't tend to count the anthologies. There's something like 10 stories in anthologies now, plus the Library for All one, because that one's not really one that I do anything with. That was just given to Library for All for them to then do, to use in Papua New Guinea. So, but yeah, I guess, I think I counted up recently when someone asked me that. If you include all the anthologies as well, it's about 15. And one anthology actually is not a children's one. And that was the very first anthology I did. That one is a Halloween one. It's a very scary book, actually, that one. Even though my story is more children-based, the other stories
0: in there definitely aren't. So do you think you'd stick with children's books for the rest of your life or do you think you might go into adult books? I've considered it, but I don't think that's where my interests lie enough.
1: My interests are kids and getting kids to read, so I think I'll always stay a children's author. That's I mean, fabulous. Children, children have been my life since I was at Teachers College way, 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 way back, last century. <laughs> last century, love it. <laughs> and I, and I, did a, um, I did a children's writing course in, at, in, at Teachers College at the time and I, went, I knew that was
0: where I wanted to head. So you so. had that always as a vision, a bit of a vision. Yeah, it was always there, yeah. yeah. And now you're there. So where to next? I mean, have you already achieved everything? Tick, tick, tick. No, I haven't achieved everything. I think, well, I want to
1: keep writing and doing books myself, but I still want that elusive,
0: big published picture book. I don't know why. <laughs> With the gold foiling, you know, like yes. the publisher puts all the fancy, yeah. fancy things on yeah. it. Right, that right.
1: That would be the ultimate goal, I think, to, to just be able to say, I had this one, this publisher really enjoyed, and wanted to publish for me, this one picture book that kids will want to read at bedtime
0: over and over and over. That's a beautiful goal to have. Well, I'm sure you'll get there. You're very tenacious. You definitely didn't give up and you kept going until you, you know, you did it. So never really, give up, guys. Yeah, I've really appreciated that from you today. I feel as though you're, you know, if I ever go, you might actually receive an email one day, Sandra, I can't do school visits. And you'll be like, yes, you can. Enough of that. Of course you Exactly. Just do it. <laughs> Just do it. Absolutely.
1: Such- part is actually finding the schools and getting into the school
0: true true well uh, let's talk a little bit about that how do you get in other than you said there's an agency and i have then an agency you- now uh, just write just write words here in canberra mm-hmm. and um, then do you contact schools directly is that how
1: you i do contact schools directly as well and i used to i used to use a lot of my teaching connections but most of those have retired now too so Mm. I don't have the connections in schools I used to have Mm. which is which is a big issue because I find if you've got a connection that always helps too but surprisingly I've actually had some schools come to me now and ask Mm. me will I come to them so it's swings and roundabouts you've just got to keep putting yourself out there and keep trying
0: yeah and you charge for your school visits now always
1: I do now originally years ago I didn't I used to just be a donation and just say, yeah, just if, if the kids are buying my books, I'm happy with that. But um, the Australian Society of Authors always say you should charge mm. and, I've, and I've gotten to that point now in my career. I think, yes, I'm, I'm, I charge now. I'm, I'm not doing this for free anymore. It takes a lot out of you. It takes a, a lot of time planning yeah. and it takes a lot, of, a lot of energy to do it. That's taking you away from your writing time. True. or your marketing time or whatever else you're doing so it, it, let's face it it's our job yeah and you wouldn't go into a school as a teacher and not get paid so why yeah. should you go into a school as an author and not get paid
0: yeah really good good points good logic to have yeah and um and I've also heard it said that you know when you don't charge it sort of undermines authors that do you know like it should we we should all kind of be you have you to know, value consistent. yourself
1: yeah and be consistent absolutely value what you do and they will value you
0: beautiful beautiful parting words time is up i've had so much fun chatting with you today and i'm one step closer to doing school visits i'll confess <laughs> still not over. i'm the going line, to nag but... at you now <laughs> <laughs> i will do a special episode and be like i've finally done it and it was this interview that did it <laughs> Let's wasn't <see>. that hard <laughs> they didn't it was me nothing alive. to be scared of <laughs> the teacher was scary but the students were okay that's what I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm sure it brings up you know like me being in the classroom like my kind of uh, subconscious fears of speaking in front of children do you know right. when I was a uh, when I was a child I was a bit sort of out there certainly not out there now am I no um, I was I was you know really out there and I used to do the most you know like one time we had to do an assignment and my assignment was on the windlass the windlass is actually the stand that stands on top of a well that actually the you know the bucket and the string. okay well, I, I wrote a song on it and I recorded it wow. and I played it I played it in class so you know and everybody was crying from laughing and I think where's where's she you know that fearless little girl that used to do that stuff in front yeah, of her still <laughs> She's still in there somewhere. She's still in there somewhere. Well, thank you again. All of your links will be in the show notes. So go look at Sandra Bennett up, everybody. And uh, as I said, check out her amazing teaching resources and her books. They sound just wonderful. And, of course, everybody that listens is probably a children's book author and might have kids. So go out and buy them. Go in and buy everybody that I interviews books. That's their Absolutely. That's an, an imperative. <laughs> support, <laughs> support authors. We're starving authors. Support us. Support <laughs> authors. Hashtag support authors 100%. Thank you so much again for your positivity, your encouragement, your enthusiasm, your wonderful knowledge, and for persisting technologically to get on the show today. Thank you so much for
1: having me. I really had fun. I really enjoyed it too. So lovely to actually get a chance to chat to you in person.
0: Did you find that interview valuable? Great. Now be an awesome human and go and leave a review because it helps the podcast out so much. Want to read the show notes? check out the children's book author podcast.com want to find out more about me eleanor page find me at Elenapage.com or come and say hello on social at eleanor page books until next time keep writing and keep learning